50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she is returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and the brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to my fucking show. And thank God it's my show because I don't think anyone could deal with the mood that I'm in right now. I can't tell if I'm happy, if I'm sad. I don't know if it's the Mexican ambient I took last night. I don't know if it's the fucking meters order that I had to, you know, put in 78 times. It just wouldn't work and I was craving it really bad. I just, I feel like a little bit loopy, I guess you could say, which is actually my favorite state to be in because I have the most overactive fucking brain and I walk around with crippling anxiety, which I do have a prescription for, but no health insurance. And so I like to feel sedated. That sounds so fucking bad. Not all the time. So should I be recording right now? Mm, Probably not. I'm absolutely still in a little bit of an ambient daze. And I know that because you are absolutely supposed to take that shit. I don't know when you for sure have eight hours of sleep that you can get. And I took that thing knowing I had fucking four. So I was just on a recent trip to Mexico. And if you don't follow me, it's a few enough. Plug, plug, plug. And the thing is, is everybody knows when you go to Mexico, you fucking stock up on drugs. That's like common fucking knowledge, correct? Maybe it's not. For those of you who don't know, you poor unfortunate souls. If you ever go to Mexico, you can walk into the local pharmacy. They're fucking all over the place. You can get your Xanax for five bucks, your Adderall, your fucking Tramadol, which that's like really scary. I've like seen people take that and then they have like Tramadol shakes and it's like terrifying. I'm not down. But I mean, all these drugs are scary, right? So I really recommend it. If you do want to get something, don't condone drug use. And yes, this entire fucking podcast will be hypocritical and won't make any fucking sense and contradicting. Deal with it. All right. So I have this thing recently where I cannot fall asleep on Tuesday nights. And I mean that. I don't take drugs to go to sleep, but it got to a point where I had to ask my friend if I could borrow some of her Xanax. And I took like an entire Xanax bar and that was not enough to put me to sleep. 
okay? And I have a low tolerance. So when I was in Mexico, we stopped at this pharmacy and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get some Ambien just to have in my back pocket in case I need it. I don't like sleeping pills. I think they can be very addicting. I think once you're addicted, it's really hard to get off of them. I don't give a fuck, all right? I would just wanted it for maybe every Tuesday night or every other Tuesday. Long story short, I'm with Alex and we are hanging out. No, excuse me, hanging out. We're fucking working. (laughs) And we go to bed. Alex falls asleep per usual fucking right away. I'm just laying there staring at the ceiling and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Pop the ambient in my mouth. Did I look at the milligrams? Did I look at, you know, side effects, how it could react with other drugs? Nope. I just popped it in and it was like a, just a Russian roulette situation, how I'm going to feel. So when I tell you guys, it was like 20 or 30 minutes after taking it and all of the sudden, every single thing in the room became double. I saw two doorknobs, fucking two televisions, two windows, double of fucking everything. And it was the most bizarre fucking thing. I woke up Alex and at a certain point, I asked Alex if she could see airplane wings in the corner of the room. So, um... Highly recommend if that's your sort of thing. Uh, Very trippy. As you guys know, I'm not big on the hallucinogen. So that was like a new thing for me. And uh, yeah, Mexican Ambien, one hell of a fucking drug. So, Sloots, I cannot fucking wait to get into this guest that I'm about to have on, Robert Green. He is just the most savage, brilliant guess like I think I've ever had on. His advice could rub you the wrong way, but you know what? You need to grow up. You need to deal with the facts, as do I. So with that, let's fucking get into it. Look, you've had a long day. Your boss is annoying you. Your boyfriend is accusing you of something you didn't even do. And your sibling is asking you for money. That's like an everyday thing for me. While I don't have all the answers, I do know that we have the power to change any situation we're in, in a flash, in a snap. We can turn it into a celebration and a little glass of wine is just the thing to turn your day around sometimes. But of course, you just realized you ran out of everything. Luckily for you, our friends over at DoorDash have you covered. If you're in the mood to treat yourself or just want to make sure you are always hostess with the mostess ready, DoorDash is your go-to without you having to move from your couch. And it's convenient. Do you know how heavy a handle of tequila is? How about five of them? Exactly. Plus, the alcohol selection at DoorDash is top-notch. You will find what you're looking for. Beer, wine, mixers, and even mocktails for the non-alcoholic girlies can be delivered straight to your door. So get your drinks in hand without lifting a finger with DoorDash. 
and use code SOFIA24 to get 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more on drinks through DoorDash. For eligible users only, terms apply, must be 21 plus to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, wider looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, wider, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes. Plus, it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lohm. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. Hi, everybody. I am joined by Robert Green, one of the most brilliant authors of our time, really, Robert. He has written six international bestsellers and is referenced by a lot of rappers in their music, including Jay-Z and Kanye West. So, Robert, I'm so happy to have you here. I have a lot I want to go over. A little bit of background I was given your book for my birthday two years ago. Wow. Yes, I was in a really low point in my life. I had dealt with some, you know, public smearing and just like a lot of trauma. And I was really in a place where I hated the world. And I remember my girlfriend gave me your book. Which And book? The 48 Laws of Power. Okay. And I remember I... And not to be rude, but I remember thinking to myself, oh, it's like another self-help book. And like, you know, I'll like add it to like all the books I've been given. And I started reading it and it's ruthless. It's ruthless, you know, in the best way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're wearing a shirt that says greedy, so I can can get that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You already know. You already know what goes on over here. So um, it's really quite ruthless. Robert, in fact, did you know that here in Utah, your books are banned in the prisons? I've known that for many years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not just, several of my books are banned in prisons in Utah and in other states as well. Wow. Okay. So if that gives anyone listening an idea of, you know, just how <laughs> good these books are, right? <laughs> so, um, Robert, I also want you to know, we actually have a lot in common. And you might not know that because I give a lot of advice to my listeners that could be taken as very unhealthy or toxic. And I get a lot of shit for it. But here we are. We're, we're just telling people what works, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I really wanted to talk about your book, The Art of Seduction. And it's basically, as the title says, it's all about seducing someone and how to do that. 
And you said seduction is about power and manipulation as much as it is about romance. Right. And I love, I just love that you pointed that out because I talk to a lot of women and men actually, and they say, I'm so done playing games. I'm exhausted. You know, the right with the right person, I won't have to play games. And I always tell them, you might not want to play them, but it's just, it's just how it works. And so I wanted to kind of get your take on that and why you talk about this power and manipulation and what you would say to people who are like, I'm, you know, I'm done playing games when dating. Well, you're always playing a game, no matter what, you're not even aware of it. You're not even conscious of it, but you're continually playing games. Um, how often do you exactly speak your mind to, to the person that you're involved in a relationship? You're constantly tailoring what you say to not hurt their feelings, to get them to, to do what you want, et cetera. So you're never being completely honest. And in the, in the period when you're beginning a romance, when you're beginning the dating process, that's when things are most like a game where you dress in a certain way that you normally wouldn't dress to impress the other person. You take them to special places that have a kind of heightened presence, a sort of slightly theatrical quality. You get them gifts if you're if you're a good per, if you're a good seducer. You give them gifts that have wow. some kind of personalized attention to them that show that you're thinking of them, that you have entered their spirit, which is one of the chapters in the book. And I think more of a problem emerges in a relationship when the other person stops playing those games, as if they don't care anymore about you. They just simply wear whatever clothes that they wear and you they're, you know, feel comfortable around it, but there's no effort involved. They stop taking you to those places that are special, that have that kind of magic and electricity between you, lots of memories. They stop, you know, the gifts they give are very generic and obvious. They're not thinking about you in any deep way. And slowly that connection, that electricity that happened in the beginning begins to wear away. And so... Yeah, you can be, you know, once you're in a relationship and you want it to be for the long term, you know, several years, whatever, you're not going to be putting the same amount of effort as you did in those initial weeks. That would be tiring and it, it wouldn't really work. But the sense where you're, where that other person is not doing anything, not take, putting any effort, they're just being themselves, just who they naturally are, I think is a great turnoff and is what eventually <sighs> dooms a lot of relationships. Wow. Wow. That was so well said and something I really haven't thought about. It's, you know, it's seducing really never stops, right? Even if you're in the relationship, you have to keep doing it. And you're right. If you're not playing the games, things can get stale. I think that's like such a good thing to point out. You have 24 seduction techniques, all very, you know, these complex concepts to a certain degree, um, just things that we don't really think about innately. And so I picked a few of my favorites and okay. I want you to just kind of, you know, maybe elaborate or we can talk through them. And I mean, Robert's book starts off with a bang because the first one is choose the right victim, <laughs> which I just, I love. I mean, this is what we're about over here. You know, you said you choose only those who will be susceptible, right? To your seduction. And I wanted to ask you, are there certain people you don't think can be seduced? And what I mean by that is, I have you heard the term fuck boy? <laughs> I'm sorry, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> Ed, educate me. 
<laughs> I will educate you. A fuck boy is a term that basically describes a man, usually, who can't be tied down, sleeps with a lot of women, um, says whatever he needs to say, you know, to get you in bed with him. And a lot of these women are trying to date these quote unquote fuck boys and <laughs> can't seem to lock them down. Right. So my question to you is, is that still someone that can be seduced or are there people you shouldn't even waste your time on? Well, you have to know, you know, what's, you know, who you are and who your natural appeal is to. Um, you know, I know, for instance, there are certain types of women I would have, I'm in a relationship now, but back in the day, that I would never try because we're just way too different. They won't find me interesting at all. Um, but, you know, I don't want to think like there's a really good seducer could almost seduce anyone. But mm. the thing about what you're talking about, the, the fuck boy, to use your expression, um, is that that's what I call a rake. I have it's one of the types of the male seducer. And a lot of women fall for that type. And they think that they can be the one to reform him, that they can be the one to get him to, to settle down into a stable relationship. And that is generally an illusion that generally shows how far he has seduced you because you start to think he wants you to think that. And that's how he ends up getting you to sleep with him. But it's generally probably a bad idea because that's not how he operates. Mm -hmm. Now, there are cases of if you're like a siren and you're extremely good at seduction and you know how to play to his games and his weaknesses, perhaps you can lure him into a relationship but that kind of guy is always going to be sleeping around. He's always he's what he likes is the chase more than mm. the actual relationship. So you're going to find yourself getting into a mountain of pain if you try and get someone like that to settle down. So generally, I think you have to choose someone that there's some one thing that people make a mistake is you have to have there has to be a kind of an electricity between you, a feeling that you're attracted to this person, that they have seduced you in, in the beginning. There's mm. something about them in particular, their character, their personality, their way of being that has already seduced you. And if you, if you feel that, if they kind of generate a lot of emotion in you and excitement, that will make your seduction seem much more natural instead of it being kind of cold and manipulative where you're trying different maneuvers on them. But if you seem totally excited by that other person and it shows up in your eyes, your gestures, your words, everything you do, that is extremely seductive and will kind of cast a spell on the other person. So that's really what I meant by choose the right victim. Okay. So it's you, you really just need to make sure there is some kind of spark. There's a, something there, right? On both ends. Yeah, but not, it's not it's not something where people are the spark isn't like we share intellectual interests. We read the same books. We have the same political values. The spark mm -hmm. is more pre-verbal. It's more emotional. Mm. It's more sexual. It's more animal. It's like something you can't even put into words. There's something about that other person that makes that makes your, you know, your blood boil or whatever. It, they affect you in ways you can't even control. So mm -hmm. the spark shouldn't be like. We have the same ideas about things. We're so we like the same food, et cetera. That's the kind of the cliche, trivial way of a seduction. You want something that has like a deeper kind of emotional, a person has a deeper emotional impact on you. And it's mm. not always the obvious choice. 
Oh, interesting. And what do you mean by the obvious choice? It could just, it could be someone, for example, I one time ended up dating a guy that I had put into the friend zone, right? I thought he was just a friend and it would never go anywhere. And it, I didn't expect to have this sexual or romantic kind of chemistry with him. And that ended up happening. Is that kind of what you mean? It's not people who you expect always. Yeah. I mean, um, so that person, I don't know if what, at what point you realized that there was some kind of different possibility but was there any kind of, of uh, physical interest in him before this happened? There was none, Robert. There was zero. And you know what I think? I think he read your book, The Art of Seduction. And I think he ended up seducing me over time. And then I ended up in that predicament. Well, the chapter right after Choose the Right Victim is friend to lover. So going mm. from the friend to lover is an incredibly seductive technique where you, you become their friend and their guard is down and there's a kind of at least a connection on a friend level. And then when that person moves it to the physical, it's extremely effective. So maybe he was using law number two in that book <laughs> on you. That's, you know what, that's the thing, Robert, is this book can give you all the techniques so that you can put these things into action. You can t- seduce someone, but then you also need to read this book to make sure you're not out here getting seduced and right. know, bamboozled. So right. um, I-, I think that's really smart. Um, another one that I just love is mixing pleasure with pain. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's something you personally practice, I imagine. It's my favorite thing. And yeah, I think a lot of these, like I just innately have them. A lot of them I haven't. So thank God I have your book. But <laughs> you said the greatest mistake in seduction is being too nice. Right. And I can't even tell you how many times I will be talking to my friends and they say, no, I need to call him back right away. I'm going to seem rude no, I'm taking too long to answer. No, I need to do this, this, and this, or he's going to think I don't like him or think I'm being mean and he's going to, you know, walk away. And I always tell them, no, you're doing the exact opposite, right? Of what you should be doing. And so mixing pleasure with pain, I want to hear from the expert himself, please. (laughs) Well, the idea is the mix of the pleasure (laughs) pleasure and pain. So if you're only giving pain, that won't work either. You know, the other person will just end up giving up on you. Nobody wants to have something that's continual pain. But if there's too much pleasure, if you're too nice, people start to take you for granted. You don't seem worth it anymore because, you know, like you're you're so easy to get, right? So you want to increase your value in the eyes of the other person. And so it's the traditional game that women used to be great at and are not so good at anymore, which is playing hard to get. And in the playing hard to get, it's sort of the classic strategy of the coquette, which I've described in another chapter, is you blow hot and cold. So you're you're excited by the other person. You lure them in with the idea that that you like them, that you're interested in them physically and emotionally, etc., And then when you start to sense that they're coming towards you, that they're interested, you take a step back. You don't return their phone calls. You don't return their texts. You you let a couple days go by. And in the day or two that you let go by, the other person isn't going, man, she's so rude. I don't even want to be with her. Instead, he's thinking, 
maybe she doesn't like me so much. Maybe she's got some other guy going with her. Maybe she's better than I thought. Maybe she's in a higher class than I, you know, and she's looking down on me in some way. So the thought stirs in the head of this guy. I've got to go after her. I've got to pursue her, right? And so, you know, things are not so simple as I originally believed. So you want the other person to, you want to make them think about you. You want to make them fantasize about you. And if you're too obvious, if you're always returning their phone calls, if you're continually, if you're texting them all the time, if you're in their face too much, they're going to think there's nothing mysterious about you. There's nothing exciting about you. And they're going to take you for granted. They're going to, you're going to seem too familiar. So it's, I would say you mix in little bites of pain every now and then, maybe once a week, maybe every few weeks to make the other person never take you for granted. You could, at a moment's notice, be interested in another person. Of course, when the relationship is solidified and there's something happening between you, you're going to back off on that a little bit. Not completely, but a little bit. And I think also a lot of guys make that mistake of being too nice. That's true. I think women kind of like, they don't want pain, but they like someone who can be a little tough, a little hard-edged. It shows like there's... There's some dimension to the person. Also, being too nice reveals your insecurities. Because we all know that a person who feels insecure is trying really hard to please the other person. So the sense that you're not so insecure, that you're confident, means that you can step back and give them those little bites of pain every now and then. Yes, I I would never sit here and say I like pain, (laughs) ever. I don't think most people would, but I appreciate when I know, you know, a guy is not going to do what's always expected. Right. And sometimes he will kind of back off and it just, it keeps me on my toes and it just keeps me interested. And I think it works both ways. I mean, Robert, have you ever been interested in someone and they decide to back off a little bit or they don't respond to your calls, you don't run away, right? Like you just pursue no. them harder. Yeah. So oftentimes in the in the old days when women were good at this and they would play hard to get, they were like testing the man. Is he that interested in in, in enough so that when I instill this doubt, he's going to pursue me further? That's exciting because that shows he's really interested. He's really invested in it. But if he gives up, that means he doesn't have confidence. He's not really that excited by me. So many ways, when you do that little bit of pain, you're testing the other person to see how really interested in the, in you they are. Right. And you can weed out the people that don't really, really like you out right away just by playing that game. I wanted to ask you, though. Yes. Can you give me an example of the kinds of little bits of pain that you could do? I'm, I'm interested in how you'd use that. I think I've always, this is another chapter in your book, um, is the sending mixed signals. And I think I've done the pain by, (laughs) get ready for me to sound really psycho. I don't care to anyone listening. (laughs) If (laughs) If I can tell, if things are going so well, and they've been going that way for a long time, I just instinctively know they're either going to kind of get stale or I need to do something to mix it up a little bit. And I might cause a fight for no reason, you know, and I know it's bad, but it's, it just, it works. I might start an argument so that, you know, we can have some conflict that then needs to be resolved and that we can go back to 
lovey-dovey land. And I think it's, I don't know if women were just taught to be super nice or what it is. But yeah, I think I just, I've heard that complaint so much from women. You know, if I don't act too nice, then they're going to think I'm not interested. And it's like, men don't care if you're interested or not a lot of the times, right? They want to pursue you. They will like that. Right. This one, I really am just so excited to hear from you is use physical lures. I think people assume when we're talking about seducing and we're talking about anything physical, especially for women, it's, oh, I need to be hot. I need to be a certain body type. I need this right hair color. I need to look this way. And the way that you talk about it is it's not the physical appearance, right? It's it's how you carry yourself. Right. Well, it, you know, we're we're basically... I'll talk a lot about this in my last book, The Laws of Human Nature. We're basically animals where a lot of our communication is nonverbal. And we think that words matter so much, but actually a lot of the communication that goes between people, we're picking up signals from them. We're picking up their body language. We're picking up their lack of confidence, their insecurity, or their, their confidence, things like that, their aggressiveness or their lack. But we can sense it like an animal can sense it in another person, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to be aware of the fact that the signals that you're sending are constantly being read by that other person, right? And so the the physical lures that you're using are playing on the psychology of that man. And so often the sense of confidence that you have in yourself, the sense that if you think of yourself as a goddess, for instance, or as a movie star, if you have that image in your mind that I am that, the man will pick that up and it's extremely alluring. You want him to come chase you or, or vice versa. You want the woman to come chase you. And you want to set up these little things that are going to lure them into your web. They're going to lure them into your snares. And so these physical things, they can't be too obvious. If it's all about you know, wearing a short dress, and perfume, mm-hmm. et cetera. It's too obvious. It, you become what you call, I forget what's a slew or whatever the word was. <laughs> slew, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm using, you're expanding my vocabulary. Fuck boy and slew. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where this is going to end or what I'm going to end up sounding like. But, I um, love it. Yeah. So your, your, your physical lures are, are different from that. You know, it might be a style of dress that's different, that sets you apart from other Mm. women in a bar, something that might even be a little bit elegant or might be something that they've not seen before, but is exciting. And you want to kind of fit it to what you know about this particular man. And so men are often attracted to women who have a slight theatrical edge to them. It's not that they don't want a drama queen. They don't want someone who's too dramatic, but they like the slight sense of there's an air of something a little bit larger than life about this woman, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to create this in your in your physicality, in your presence. But if you're too obvious, then I don't think it works. Then you seem like everybody else. You want to kind of figure out who you are, what you're... And in the first part of the art of seduction, I give you the nine types of seducers. Mm-hmm. And you want to figure out which type you are, whether you're a coquette, a siren, a natural, et cetera. So you wanted to do something that's 
actually going to excite him and going to kind of appeal to what you sense are his own inclinations and what will excite that individual more. Right. And you talk about, you know, hand gestures, your yeah. your tone of voice and yeah, all of those yeah. things that I never seem to think about. And they're so important. Well, um, I talk a lot about this in the chapter on the siren, but mm. a woman's voice is I've, I know myself, I have fallen in love with a woman for having met, met her because of her voice. Yes. Right. And there are some voices that are just so alluring and it's going to depend for each man. It could be something that even reminds them of their mother in some weird way, mm. but there's something soft. There's something, you know, slightly confident. There's a kind of breathy quality to it. It depends right. on, on the man, but your voice carries a lot of seductive power as does your manner of walking, right? Mm-hmm. You know, your manner of walking tells it's a signal, like we talked earlier about nonverbal communication, signals your level of confidence in yourself and who you are and a lot of your personality. So how you carry yourself, as I said, if you think of yourself as a goddess or a queen or somebody who deserves kind of royal attention, it will show up in your physicality and will have a very powerful effect. So yes, you want to reach the full gamut of senses. Men are more sensual than you imagine. They respond mm. to smells, to touch, to voice, to sounds, not just to, you know, the, the hot looks as well. So the more you can kind of kind of make them dizzy with all the different senses you're appealing to, that is where you're going to have more, uh, more seductive power. I love that. I never had a guy point those things out to me until this recent boyfriend. And I you know, have tried to explain it to my friends, like, no, just my voice, like, you know, turns him on or like gets him off or whatever. And, um, not a lot of people talk about that or like, you know, fully understand it, but it's so powerful. And I know it is because my boyfriend, you know, wouldn't shut the hell up about it for the first, you know, four months dating. Apartments.com believes having a gym in your building does way more than just get you in shape. It turns your entire life around and is a great place to scope out the hot guy that lives in your building. And by guy, I mean guys. Having a gym in your building makes it 10 times more likely that you actually end up, show up, and work out. I mean, it's five floors down or whatever it is. And you'll be saving money on a gym membership that you'll go to probably half as much. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live is easy. Apartments.com hosts more rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. Or a treadmill, for that matter. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Can you feel it, Sleuths? The days are getting warmer and spring has officially sprung, which means spring break is here. Which, for the older folk, that basically means people are going outside, they're staying outside, and they are staying out way longer. But the thing is, who wants to deal with those post-party struggles? I know I don't. I mean, I quite literally and physically can't at this stage in my life. 
And that's where my spring break essential comes in, which is Taste Salud. Say goodbye to the Sunday scaries with Taste Salud's hydrating drink mixes. Listen, I started my spring break a little bit early last weekend when my best friend Allie came to town and we had a night or two on the town and how I felt honestly come Monday morning was better than any spring break party you can imagine. And that is a rare occurrence for me and has only started happening since I've started drinking Taste Salute religiously. Because unlike those big name brands we all know, Salute knocks it out of the park with their one-of-a-kind flavors. I'm drinking one right now. And no, it's not because I plan on drinking any kind of alcohol, but just because I'm trying to get hydrated and energized. I'm obviously drinking the horchata flavor, but you get to enjoy flavors like cucumber lime, hibiscus, and they even have mocktails now. Say hello to Paloma and strawberry margarita. Filled with electrolytes and vitamins that support hydration and boost immunity with less sugar. I'm talking only one gram of sugar per stick. This is exactly what you need to get your Sunday fun day going, regardless of what the rest of the day entails. And here's the best part. They're sharing the love with all of my listeners. Enjoy 10% off your first purchase with the code SOFIA10 at checkout. That's S-O-F-I-A and the number 10 at TaySalud.com. Cheers to health this spring break season with TaySalud. Excited about this one, guys. I'm getting in my grown woman bag. I'm entering my wifey era at full speed and no one can stop me because I've been investing in myself and in my kitchen. I used to buy the absolute cheapest cookware I could possibly find and mm -mm, mm -mm, not the move. The move is high quality thoughtfully designed, non-toxic, and incredibly cute cookware from, drumroll please, Great Jones. You are welcome. Great Jones cookware is so stunning. You will actually want to cook. It's like getting a new super cute slash hot workout set. You'll be at the gym later that day. No question. My Dutch baby from Great Jones, aka the cutest baby pink Dutch oven in the color taffy, I keep that shit on display. That is when I'm not using it. From Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to nonstick pans, Great Jones has it all. I got my first skillet, you guys. Like, fuck an engagement ring. I can't wait to actually make all the recipes I have saved but never touched because I was ill-equipped, but now I'll let y'all know when Sloot's giving dinner is because I am prepared. 
So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old, rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code SOFIA. That's greatjones.com, promo code SOFIA. So Robert is the fucking shit. He is an animal. I love him. We ended up talking, you guys, for so much longer than I expected. Way too much like package into one episode. And I really want to share it, all of it with you guys. So with that, we are going to continue this conversation next week. And I would like to get into, now that I have my little Robert Green pajamas on, questions, S-O-S, save our sleuths, questions of the motherfucking week. Our first question, mommy, sorry, mommy, sorry, mommy, (laughs) these fucking sleuths, Alex in the background trying to get into my Sophie with an F solo podcast. Okay. Anyways. Hi, Slew. I have a hack to make your ex reach out to you, even if you haven't talked in a long time. I did this after my ex and I had been broken up for almost a year and we ended up getting back together for a few months. So what you're going to do is find somewhere near his house a place he frequents or something of that nature and graffiti your name somewhere you know he will see it. I chose to spray paint my name on a fence by the grocery store he shops at and a couple weeks later, he reached out to me out of the blue just saying that he's been thinking about me. I have a pretty common name so you would have no way of knowing I painted it and I swear that seeing my name in the graffiti caused him to start thinking about me again and get back in touch. (sighs) This is uh, genius. This is illegal. And I don't think that there is any crime more embarrassing (laughs) to get arrested for than you getting caught graffitiing your own name on a fence. So just you need to be wearing ninja clothes and just take care of that situation very carefully. This is kind of fucking smart, though. You're penetrating this guy's subconscious. See what I did there? Because I bet you they were penetrating later. But I don't know. This is fucking insane. But I could see the shit working. And I do like that you point out, you know, only certain names can get away with it. I don't even know if I could get away with it. Do that many Sophias have their name sold an F? Yes, they fucking do. Absolutely. But I don't know. Maybe he'll be able to tell by my handwriting. Who fucking knows? All right, next. Honestly, Sophia, do you think it's okay to double text or if a guy leaves you hanging, just let it go and he will reach out to you if he wants to? I have always been a sayer of if he wants to, he will. So usually when a guy doesn't respond to me or stops replying, I let it go and then wait to see if he ever responds. If he doesn't respond, well, then we never talk again, LOL. Are some guys wanting me to be a little aggressive or no? Like I said, if he wanted to, he would have. Great fucking question. I think if it's in the very, very beginning stages, like you guys have gone on, I don't know, one to three dates, I think you absolutely cannot double text. Like that is really where 
you need to be the mouse and he needs to be the cat and you need to just let him chase. I think once you've passed that mark, this is how I play it personally. I really like to mix it up. So I won't respond to one of his texts for a day or two And then I'll blow up his phone and hit him with the double text. Way more fun to just hit him with something he's not expecting. And if that's you calling him seven times drunk, then so be it. But I just, I think, just always keep them on their fucking toes, basically. Don't be coy. But if you are going to do the drunk call technique, you got to disappear for like the next week and he like can't get a hold of you. So it's just, it's a dangerous game and you just need to play it well. Make sure if you do double text him, you're not just like, hi, smiley face. And then your next text is, hi, smiley face. Because then you look creepy. Say something funny that he's not going to like feel pressure about, I guess. Okay. Okay. All right, next. You have mentioned slow stroking several times in a negative way. What is slow stroking? I'm supposed to always jackrabbit or something. I like to slow it down. Is this not okay? What the fuck? Ooh, this guy's angry at me. First of all, when I say slow stroke, I have had sex not that many times, but I have had it where the guy just the entire fucking time was slow mo. And there is a certain pace when it comes to sex. There just is. I also don't like the jackrabbit thing. So don't come at me for that bullshit. There's, there's like a happy medium. And yes, I agree with you. Switch it up. You should be going at a more rapid pace sometimes and then like slowing it down. It should never be you going fucking 20 miles per hour on the freeway. It really shouldn't. It's like awkward. It doesn't even feel good to me. And you're listening to like Marvin Gaye. Uh Uh-uh, I don't. Just speed it up a a notch. And if you're asking me this question, that means you probably go too slow. There is a speed when it comes to sex and figure it the fuck out. Usually I would say communication is so important here. And I do think you need to make sure, you know, assuming you're a man, that the girl or another man is having a good time and enjoying themselves This is one of those situations I'm going to go ahead and say no. Because if I was having sex with someone and then they stopped to ask me, hey, you want me to like speed that shit up? You want me to slow it down? Like, what's the rhythm like for you? I would uninsert his penis from my vagina and fucking grab the condom and choke him with it and strangle him and leave. Because that, I don't want to answer that question. I don't know how to answer it. Like, just feel my body, dude. And like, just feel the vibe. And like, you just need to know a good pace. And you should be smart enough to be able to tell how I'm responding and the noises I'm making and what I'm saying, what I like and what I don't. And I'm telling you right now, if I'm being dead silent, that is not me just like feeling it so hard because it's so good. That's me disappointed. That silence is disappointment. Okay, next. Sophia, I love the podcast and you. Good content is good content, period. Thanks, girl. I was wondering how you personally feel about getting eaten out. Do you like it? Every once in a while, it feels great, but most of the time, it feels like someone's licking my inner thigh, lol. Wondering if this is common or not, because literally guys will go down and every time in my head, I'm like, 
oh my God, fuck no. It makes me uncomfortable because nine times out of 10, it doesn't feel good. And so I'm always verbally saying after like 30 seconds, you don't need to do that. Say what? Because like, why have someone go through the trouble of giving you head when it does not even feel good? Okay, well, girl, never say you don't need to do that. If anything, just be like, I'm over it. I'm not into this. Like he needs to be under the impression he needs to do everything. There's no, you don't need to do that, but that's okay. For me personally, I love it. I think it's great. I think that's like how I had my first orgasm actually. But I will say this, I don't like it on a first hookup or someone like I'm just getting to know and here's why. One night stands to me are really fucking fun in the sense that I'm like, ooh, I'm here to just like be a little rowdy, a little raunchy and to like put on a performance. I'm walking out onto the stage. I want to put on a show. I know that's not healthy. I know it's not how we should think about sex, but fuck it. Like it's a one night stand. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. The reason I don't like for him to go down on me is I do think it takes me a second to get comfortable with a dude, but more so I'm there for the show I am not there to have an orgasm. I have never had an orgasm from a one night stand. And I usually can't like the first few hookups. That's a lie. You know what, guys? I'm having a post dick appointment flashback right now on air on this mic. I have had a guy, our second date, go down on me. And he, I did have like a legitimate orgasm. So, but you know what? For the most part, I won't come. So long story short, I like it not the first time or the first few times I'm hooking up with a guy. It's very fucking normal to not like it though. Don't force yourself to like act like you're into something if you're not into it, you know? I have very good friends that fucking hate it. So this is not like a weird thing. I'm sure the fucking all the guys you date probably love that about you. Um, So no, it's not weird. And absolutely, by all means, I think you can just voice to the guy like that's not my thing moving on. It's probably going to be like, I want to marry this bitch. I have to put zero work into this. This is like incredible. You know, even at 29 years old, guys, I'm almost fucking 30. I still will get a teeny tiny bit uncomfortable when a guy goes down there. And I don't know if it's just like the way I'm programmed. It's just, it's kind of It's a private part and it's just a little bit interesting to have a dude face to face with your fucking vagina. Like it just is. That's something I need to get over. That's something we all need to get over. It doesn't bother me to the point that I'm not going to let it, let him do it. And I'm not going to get comfortable after 15 seconds. You know, a vagina is a vagina, no matter how small and no matter how gaping hole it is like mine. All right, guys, what a fucking week. I love you guys so much. Follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. I don't know where else I fucking am. Sophia with an F, Franklin with a Y. And please, as always, rate, review, subscribe. And I love you guys so much. I will see you next week. Bye.